And now, the Andy Greenwald Podcast. Andy, Andy. Welcome to the Grandland Network. My name is Andy Greenwald. What a great day here in New York City because my guest is a brilliant actor who is nominated for an Emmy for her role as Peggy Olsen in the recently completed series Mad Men. And her new film, Queen of Earth, is available, will be in theaters and on demand August 26th. Elizabeth Moss, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you. have been planning this for a while. Yes. Here you are. Here I am, finally. Yogurt in hand. Yogurt ready to go. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you about being in New York, but you just told me you live in New York. And mm-hmm. so being here in the summer is a totally normal event for you. <laughs> Actually, um, it's not because I've been, sh- we shoot Mad Men generally, we've been shooting it over the summer. Oh. Only the past... I think couple of years have we gone, we basically just completely reversed and started going over winter. Right. But we usually would shoot over the summer. So being here has actually been really, really nice. When you booked Mad Men and they filmed the pilot in Silver <laughs> Cup in Queens, were you like, this is the dream? I yeah. have this great show, this great part, and I get to stay in New York? Yes. And then they were like, not that I'm complaining, by the way, yeah, but it like, worked out. it worked out, it worked out fine. But then, yes, then they were like, so. <laughs> issue and they were thinking like maybe connecticut at one point which i was like weird okay like i like i can you know stanford it was like i, I can roll with that that's like a train you, you know you could be the queen of metro north that could sure be for like, totally fine and then they and then they were like la for um because matt has four kids and they were quite a bit younger at the time right um and so we wanted you know he wanted to be able to have his kids in school in la and stuff like that and so. have his kids on the show and yes, one of them ended up on the show. That's right. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, we moved to LA, <laughs> and now everyone shoots in New York. Yeah, it switched. Yeah, it's super annoying. Yeah, well, it, again, it worked out. It worked out fine, thank God. Otherwise, I would have been really annoyed. <laughs> so, I, if you don't mind, I do want to talk about Mad Men at some point, but I want to start by talking about Queen of Earth, which is coming out this week. Sure. And which I enjoyed a lot. Thank um, you. It's a film that's written and directed by Alex Ross Perry, who made a film that I also really enjoyed last year called Listen Up, Philip." You were in that movie. My only complaint about the movie is that I kept wanting the camera to follow your character. Oh, that's very nice. Clearly, he felt the same way because <laughs> you are the star of this film. Um, did the genesis of Queen of Earth come from your experience working together then, or was this something he had had in his pocket for a while? Um, it, it was uh, actually kind of n- neither. He... He wrote it about. Uh, he wrote it in May. You know, the film we finished the film in September. I was listening to Philip oh. in September, and he wrote it the following May. Um, he's fast. Or yeah. Uh, oh, he's super fast. I think it took him like a month to write it. Um, wow. And yeah, he. Uh, I mean, think he, he. What he does is he comes up with an idea mm-hmm. and sits on it for a while, thinks about it for a while, and then I think the actual writing process is is pretty quick for him. Yeah. Um, in general, I mean, of course, not all the time, but. Uh, it came from the what you said about, you know, we worked together for two weeks and I had sort of the secondary role in Listen Up, Philip. And um, there's this like one scene where uh, I kick Jason's character out for the final time. And in the script, it just said like, um, you know, she feels these emotions. And it was just like a couple of lines. And when we ended up doing it, it became like this really cool scene. Yeah. Uh, and Sean Williams, our DP, like just let the camera stay on me. And it was just this really kind of became this moment that was really cool. And it kind of came out of that in a way because we were like a little bit like, well, let's like do more of that. Like, let's have a whole movie where we get to do that. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to work with him again, um, regardless on anything. And then he wrote this kind of amazing story with this amazing part. And, um, 
according to him, he didn't write it for me from the beginning, but like right. as he was writing it, he started to picture me in it, and then it became like, oh, that's sh- it should be her. As an actor, when you hear a director say, maybe he didn't say this exactly, but I imagine something close to it, psychological breakdown. <laughs> Does that make you immediately excited? Does that make you nervous? And does that nervousness make you excited? Because the the role is emotionally challenging, I would imagine. It, yeah. You go on quite a journey, and it's very intense to watch. Um, how does that conversation begin? Where he you basically he tells you what he wants you to be doing, and then you have to imagine going down this very dark path. It basically goes like this: you you're gonna go crazy and have a psychological breakdown, and I go, I'm in. Really? Yeah. So that like bad. that's yeah. That's I mean that's the thing I've been trying to explain to people like. Like the, that's really f- fun for an actor. I, you know, I think that I mean I've never really done the sort of happy-go-lucky romantic comedy where everything's fine. So I don't really know. Maybe, maybe there is something to that. But like, I don't usually do that. And so for me, this is like this is what I love to do. And I think all actors. I mean, you don't see actors like, you know, they love to do drama. They love to do something that where a character is going through some turmoil. That's far more interesting to play than everything. Everything is fine. Um, so for me, that was that was the selling point. You it's, know, it's true. I just I, I realized this the other week. I was speaking to to Kevin Bacon, and he said, "Well, I just love to act. I'm an actor. I love to act." And yeah. I feel like for those of us who don't do that for a living, yeah. um, you often think about you know, maybe the method actors talking about the toll it takes to reach those dark places. Sure. Or you think about acting as the lifestyle, both in positive ways and the negative ways in terms of travel. Mm-hmm. You rarely think about it as, oh, fun. I right. Get, I get to do this. Right, right. Uh, I think, I, you know, I, I I mean, I can't speak for other actors, except for Kevin Bacon obviously agrees with me. <laughs> you, um, you we can, we have something very, very much in common. Um I think it's super fun, you know. I wouldn't uh I wouldn't do it unless I thought it was fun and and I and I I'm not a method actor at all. Uh I'm sort of the opposite. I'm like the least amount of, you know, uh research I can do possible is perfect. Um and so for me like I, I I, I don't I don't consider acting that serious. I don't consider it wow. a whole lot more than I consider it. Obviously, I'm an actor, so I think it's amazing, and I think it's an art form. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to put it down, but I also think it's a certain uh, it's on a certain level. It's just pretend, and it's not that for me. It's not different from what I did when I was like five years old, and I was pretending mm-hmm. various things. Um, so for me, it's just a it's it's this crazy extension of that where you then get like. A hundred people to agree with you that this is the story that you're going to pretend yeah. all day, and they do it all day, and they have props and they have costumes, and they're all you're all on the same page. And so, f- for me, that's what it is, you know. And I like to have fun on set. I like to um, become friends with the crew. If me, it's like a I love the family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's all of that. And if I was like, you know, having to be method about it, I wouldn't get to have any of that. So. That's true. It's still hard to imagine, though, because, for example, in Queen of Earth begins with this this very powerful and devastating shot and scene. Basically, it's it's it's. I can see immediately now that you said it the the connection to Listen Up, Philip, because the camera is very close on your face, and you've just received the second in what the character the second bit of devastating news, I guess, that the characters received in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a thousand emotions all at once in your face, and it's incredible to watch. But so tell Thank me, you. five minutes before that and five minutes after that, are you joking <laughs> around with the crew? I mean, is, is it that easy and loose for you? I mean, if it's a, if it's literally a scene where I have to start out uh, in tears yeah. like that, then no. There's no um, magic switch. Yeah. I mean, it, that's that's a little bit more like, yes, I would have to take, you know, a few minutes beforehand to get into that right. place. Um, you know, that's not 
always the case. Sometimes it is a little bit more of a switch, but mm-hmm. you know, generally with something that the, that that that's that's that important. Yeah. Um, being the first scene of the film, you know, I did take a little bit more time to prepare okay. and a little more time to make sure I was in the right place. But I don't actually consider that I, Lizzie, am in the right in that place. Right. I'm not actually like you're not Catherine. Sad. Yeah. Like I don't think I just somebody just broke up with me. But I am playing. You know. Uh, I am playing the character that thinks that that that's happening. Does that make sense? It does, but it's still. It, is there an element? This is way more process than I thought no, we were talking about. No, it's but fascinating. Is there, but is there an element <laughs> I of... I hope your audience is not asleep, but yes. No, they're super into like hardcore acting. <laughs> they stuff. are? Like, yeah. Awesome. Me- method and sense Great. They're all like method actors. <laughs> they are. At least a good percent of okay. them. Um, is there a portion of Lizzie's experience that is brought to bear to access Catherine's feelings in that? Or, or is that even that too specific? To, in to... in a, a practical way. Right. Like in a more... Um, drawing, uh, you know, thinking about experiences I've, that I've had, whether or not they be the same or similar, right. um, but in a more intellectual way than me placing myself back in that time when I felt you, that way. You don't have to time travel. No. I always say... Be- healthy. Yes. No, I think it's for the best. I always say, like, I because I, I'm not... If I was to think about something that was sad... Well, it's been like 10 years, so I'm not sad about it anymore. So it's not going to work. And then right. that's only going to work like once. And then what am I going to do the next 12 takes? So what am I going to do right. the next scene that I have to or be the next sad? the movie where they want you to be yeah. sad, which might happen. Which might happen. I'm going to have to think of something else sad. Like, it's just, it's it just personally right. for me, doesn't work. Although it works and produces brilliant performances on many actors that I admire. So I'm a little like, whatever works for you is great. Right. But for me, that just is not how I how I do it. But like how many times can an actor watch his childhood pet die? Right, exactly. Like how many times can you do at that? At some point we're over it, right? Yeah, at some point the dog's gone. At some point it's like it's been a long it's been a while. I should yeah, get over let, it. Let Fido go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fido has moved on. The, the bulk of the movie takes place at a lake house. Um, and the other main performer in the movie is Catherine Waterson who plays your character Catherine's best friend. And yeah. I'm putting that in quotes only because these women are extremely harsh to each other throughout the film Um, and I couldn't decide after watching it whether Alex has sort of a a dim view of of people in terms of their their, their capability to be kind to one another Uh or if maybe kindness happens in the margins and he's just not as interested in those moments because at the very end we do get a glimpse of some warmth between them yeah for me that just there's this idea that these people are so close there's no distance from anything including just this very aggressive honesty yeah I think it's more of the latter for Alex um if I can speak for him I think he's more interested in those moments when um something has gone wrong right and you know he said it he said it better yesterday that I'm gonna say it but basically (laughs) when something has gone wrong and when did that happen and how did that happen and like what do we do now yeah and I think that just in the way that I find a character going through a psychological breakdown more interesting I think he finds that more interesting than the warm moments you know and and that friendship you know is very um i mean obviously you've seen you've seen the film it's very stylized it's very not necessarily you know based in a lot of realism um but that friendship is kind of one of those friendships that we have seen where you probably been friends for 20 years you wouldn't be friends with that person now if you met them at like a social event but you it's too late to not be friends with them the momentum is still carrying you exactly and there's too much history yeah Um, but you have like grown apart and you have maybe become different people and you don't understand each other anymore now in this specific case in this film my character 
Catherine is is being completely unreasonable, though. I mean, she's not being a good friend. I, I blame her entirely. Really? That's yes, she's being a she's gone, she's gone mad. Like yeah. she's not being, you know, helpful in this in this friendship. True. Ginny is just trying to have a nice. She's just trying to have a nice weekend. She's not really mean to her until Catherine goes crazy. Right. Although there do seem to be some moments when, this, of course, this would make it. This is why I haven't written this movie. Right. Why I would make a terrible movie because <laughs> my thought was on Tuesday. It's like you need to just call the authorities. Like, right. Needs, right. She needs to be put in. She needs to get some help. Totally. That's your movie's like ten minutes long. I need a short. <laughs> your movie's very, like you're depressed. Let's call a therapist. It's and a, that's like the end of the movie. That's right. It's a very reasonable short film. <laughs> right. It's more of a PSA, really. It's more, it's more of a PSA for for like, therapy. If your best friend hasn't eaten the salad you made her for six days, call it. Totally. Doctor. Please call a doctor, or at least her parents. That's that's probably right. Uh, yeah, yours is a, is a definitely like an after school commercial. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing is it's you know it makes for for better drama if you have uh, a friendship that is not going well and is not cohesive and where the people aren't listening to each other and right. and where one person's my in my case in 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 this case my flaws are not handled well by the other character and vice right. versa. Um, that, you know, yeah, that means you can make an hour and a half film instead yeah. of a PSA. <laughs> and well done. Um, one thing I think about that, that an actor's job is, and again, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but like on this, certainly when you're on the stage and you've done a lot of stage work in your career and, and recently here in New York, um, you sort of have to monitor personal space the, between you and the other actor. And if you make a move towards them, that's an act. And if you choose not to be, that's an act. Sure. In this movie, I was really struck by the emotional space and the way that was sort of policed between the characters. Mm-hmm. And there's, again, I hope people will see the film, so we won't spoil anything. But <laughs> there was this amazing scene where you and your, your character, Catherine, and uh, real Catherine. Yeah, playing that's Virginia. how we said it too. It was character Catherine and real Catherine. Was that weird for her to was, say her name constantly about you? I always feel like that no. It was weird. far more confusing for me and Alex. Okay, good. Catherine. Catherine, right. Catherine knew who she was, but we had to like you know be Throughout, specific she, about sure it. She knew who she was. Pretty she sure. Yeah, she's, she's not method either. Really she's good. She <laughs> yeah. held it together. Um, there's the scene where you are you trade monologues about uh, yeah. a relationship. Each each of you talk about a past relationship, and you have a very long monologue about an experience, and then she follows it up with a very long monologue of her own, and. Both the, the scene is really striking, but what was amazing to me was the way real Catherine, fake mm-hmm. Virginia, mm-hmm. follows your story with a personal story of her own, which feels like a violation almost in the scene. And right. your reaction is very, it's almost angry. You're not being comforted by this. Right. She's invading your emotional space with her own. And right. I felt like that was very, that, that was saying something, it was subtle, but it was saying something very true about friendships and how they're very, very hard to maintain because people right. both want to be heard often at the same time. Totally. No, that's a very astute observation. And I think that that was kind of, uh, you know, one of the things that we sort of wanted to make sure that we had in the film was an I, a semblance that, you know, of some friendship, that they were friends at one yeah. point, that they could talk to each other, they could be friends. So we sort of had this one scene where we got to just sit on the bed and mm-hmm. talk like friends. But at the same time, if we were too like we're having a sleepover and we're yeah. hanging out together and gabbing about boys it would be completely out of context to the rest of the film right so i think it was it was almost um you know it's in the writing it's not like we made up the whole idea but it is kind of on purpose that they're telling these stories but they're kind of not even really telling them to each other. They're kind of just talking. They're basically, yeah, they're, they're literally like monologuing. They're cross purposes. Yes. And so, like, one tells her story and one tells the other. And in another world, it would be like a great, healthy friendship conversation. Mm-hmm. But in this world, of, in the world of the film, yes, it's like I tell my story and then she kind of 
piggybacks on that and does her own and I'm kind of not listening anymore or taking a you know some sort of offense to it or going to my own dark place or whatever you want to call it and that's kind of our version of like the friendship scene (laughs) sharing yeah (laughs) it's brutal um there's a line in the movie that that your character says that i that that really stuck with me and, and made me think of your um your, you as an actor in general, which is when Catherine says, everything feels so close to me, the good and the bad. Mm, it's a good line. It's a really good line. Yeah. And I, But I was thinking about what I've always admired about your performances from Mad Men and, and Top of the Lake and in this film as well. I'm very struck by your ability to play two tracks at the same time. What I mean okay. is the external and the internal. Um, and, and that's very relevant to this movie, but in all of your performances, there's a you're showing us what the character is presenting to the world but without ever losing touch of what the character is experiencing and feeling. And in the light of what we just said about you being able to sort of just get into it and get out of it, I don't know if you spend much time thinking about this, but <laughs> that seems to me, to me, again, as a non-actor and also, I should say, a non-dramatic uh, screenwriter, <laughs> uh-huh. literally, a writer of PSAs, um, <laughs> that seems like a big challenge. Well, thank you, first of all. That's super nice of you to say, because for me, that's that's the best kind of acting. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I try to do. Um, so that means a lot to me. Uh, I, I think that the most interesting acting for me to watch is when you see two things at once. Yes. Um, and that's sort of the wonderful thing about work on camera is that you can uh, – you can. it's much easier to do that, frankly, than in theater um, because it's all you have to do is show something behind your eyes and yeah. the audience picks up on it. Um so for me, I mean, I just, I guess it's because that's something that I like to watch because I think that's more interesting mm-hmm. than, a, than a, than just a one, um, you know, a, a one note or a one dimensional thing. And, and for me, I also feel like that's the most honest and true to life mm-hmm. because I think, you know, it's so, the, the idea is so fascinating to me that whatever you're saying or whatever you're outward expression of emotion is to somebody mm-hmm. it's totally not what's going on inside awesome. a lot of the time especially yeah. if it's something um you know in a dramatic screenplay where there are actually events happening that are interesting mm-hmm. not like you know like when we're sitting here and talking i'm not having like some other inner experience like i'm basically S- speak just for yourself <laughs> fair enough yeah. i don't know what's going on over there but for me i mainly like if anything just thinking like oh that sounded stupid why did you say that uh, but um, but th- this is like a, a more one dimensional you know moment for me yes but when you're doing a drama or when you're doing something where you're trying to um, show a dramatic scenario, for me it's far more interesting the idea of, of you know, acting like nothing's wrong or acting like everything's fine on the surface and yeah. there being something else going on underneath. I just think that's much more interesting to do you, watch. Do you have to – do you – does it ever intellectualize the point where you have to keep track of it? Um, you know, we could use the example of, of Queen of Earth where – you know, you, you go on an emotional journey mm-hmm. and you may be in different places and different days. And, you know, do you ever think about that? Well, here's what I want. Here's what I'm thinking. Let's go. Or is it you, you just ma- maintain that? It's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. first of all, I do not think that there's personally any formula for acting. I don't think that there's any right or wrong way to do anything. Um, for me, if it's honest and seems authentic and the, and the audience understands what you are trying to tell mm-hmm. in the story and you know you're a part of the story and if the audience understands what the story is then you've done your job so you're I don't conveying care the story you. to the audience exactly and I don't care whether you stand on your head while you do it or you know whatever it is so for me there's no right or wrong way to do anything so it's a little bit of like it's a little bit of the intellectual side of 
you know, I mean, I don't, when I say I don't, you know, do a lot of preparation or research, I suppose I'm saying I don't do maybe as much as some other schools of acting. I do think about it. I don't just like (laughs) read the script, you know, once and then just like wander on stage that morning. Cool, I get to cry at a lake this morning. Yeah, exactly. Like I do have some thought about it. I do have like, I usually have like a little book that I keep that I put, write down notes in or thoughts. Um, I'll watch a couple of films, you know, that the directors ask me to watch or that I feel like might be relevant. Um, occasionally, I'll even read a book. Whoa! Uh, yes, it's pretty ex- pretty extensive. <laughs> well, like some of the book. Yeah, you'll not skip like it. not like the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like to do that preparation. Do have those have those thoughts. You know, talk to the director, talk to the writer, the other actors, whatever it is, and then sort of have that in my back pocket, and then be able to let it go, and mm-hmm. be able to. I think that there's. Something I think a lot of the really magical moments happen when you are not planning them and you're not thinking about, oh, I have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, that's really fun. When you get out of the way of whatever. Yeah. So I like to do the research, do the preparation, do the intellectual part, and then kind of throw it away and allow it to ground my performance Mm. and allow it to inform the moments when I do need it. Mm -hmm. You know, perhaps if I'm tired or if I'm confused or if we're moving really fast and I need to, like, do something quickly, I can then rely on the sort of intellectual process. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's way more fun to just say, like, just to throw that away and just see what happens. Are you able to do something similar when it comes time to move on? Are you able to sort of let it go and then let it go and move on to the next scene, move on to the next work? Yeah. I'm a little bit, like, notorious for being able to do that. Yeah. Like, I, I am not one of those people who thinks about it or, you know, occasionally I'll go home and be like, oh, I hope that was okay. Or I'll run through the takes in my head and be like, all right, I think I did that on one of them. So that's good. And I hope that was okay. Oh, good enough. Occasionally I'll do that. But I think I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think because I think it's almost impossible to judge your own performance as an actor. So for me, it's pointless to think about whether or not it was any good. But that seems very healthy because we all judge our own performance in everything. Totally. Oh, I judge my performance in life all oh, the okay. time. Yes. Oh, okay. But acting, acting. <laughs> acting, I'm most confident in. Everything else, I'm a mess. Uh, but, you know, it's it's definitely something that I, I feel like, what am I supposed to do? It's out of my hands now. It's going into the editing room. Yeah. There's a whole other process that happens after I'm done acting. Right. And... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been doing this for so long. Right. I just I'm very able to, I'm very able to move on for some reason. It sounds very healthy. But thank I, it, you. It, it also makes me think of what you said earlier about enjoying the crew and the gang, yeah. team aspect of it. Because yeah. if you think of yourself, and I think it's probably a very healthy way to do almost anything professionally. You're part of a team. You yeah. do your part. Let them do their part. Mm-hmm. So in that case, it probably also means letting, in this case, Alex, or letting the director say, "That was it. You yeah. got it." Exactly, and it, it, obviously, if you if you're working with a director that you trust, yeah, that's very very helpful in yeah. being able to like let go and move on when the scene is done because you know that you got it if they say that you got it, right? Um, but yeah, I do feel I feel very much like my position on set is no more important than anyone else's. I think it's it's a huge team effort. I know this because any time that you have an experience where it doesn't like feel like that, yeah. it sucks and mm-hmm. it doesn't work. So it's very important that it feels like a team and a family. And for me, I do feel like it's like there's there's so many moving parts and so many people need to do 
a good job at their job in order for it to work. And I am one of those people doing that job, my job, and yeah. hoping that it works, you know? And for, yeah, for me, I just love the family atmosphere, you know? It's a, it's a little weird when, you know, you kind of have a new family every two months and then you break up and don't see them but (laughs) that kind of sucks but you'll always have that time at the lake house exactly exactly um i feel like this is a perfect segue because i'm (laughs) i'm hearing peggy olsen's burger chef pitch in my head about being together in the family oh yeah um i have to ask you about mad men which i think is one of if not the greatest tv shows of all time and um just going back to the the very beginning did you did you get Peggy right away? And when when you saw the script and you met with Matt, did, did you immediately get this this woman in the moment, or did you have a longer conversation about the way he imagined her arc progressing in order to, to sort of mm-hmm. find your way? The former, for sure. I, I've always said that um, whatever I did, whoever I thought Peggy was in that audition was who Matt thought she was. And who Matt wrote, and that's why I got the part. It mm-hmm. was it was just, you know, auditioning and getting parts and stuff is such a strange world. And it, it's it so often comes down to just whatever you do is somehow what the writer wrote. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's very it's very difficult to get a part because it's it's based on so many things. And you have in, to be in sync with someone that you've yeah, never met before. That you've never met before, never yeah. spoken to before, and you've just like read their thing and like, well I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Um and that was just a sort of a very, you know, lucky case of who I thought she was was who he thought she was. Um so yes, I did feel like I un, un understood her but um it was a it was good that he that it was the same person that he wrote do you know what i mean like i could have felt like i understood her but it could have been like oh you're completely wrong you're wrong next Uh, yeah exactly um but anyways i did i did feel like i got her and i don't i don't know why i don't i we have a lot in common we're very similar in a lot of ways but we're very different in a lot of ways you look alike we do. We we have an uncanny resemblance. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, I just, I did feel like I get her. Not only did I get her, but I felt like I liked her. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to like your characters. I don't think you'd have to like them, but I did really like her. Did he talk to you about his vision for what she, her journey? I mean, I mean, obviously when you're starting a TV show and you're making a pilot, you cannot start telling people what season five is going to be, yeah, let yeah, alone yeah. season two. Totally. But more so than you know as the show went on and i'm sure you've heard this many ways her trajectory was very much at odds with with don's i mean this was her decade in a way that it wasn't his Mm -hmm. although he was of course the focus of the show Mm -hmm. um no he didn't really talk to me during the pilot about it um i think it was very much a case of um if it ain't broke don't fix it like just okay that's what peggy should be right now so that's who she's going to be right now um and yeah same thing like like you said like we're doing a pilot for two weeks who knows if it's ever going to get picked up it's probably yeah. not like what's the point of talking about what happens next um before season one which was like a year later a year after we shot the pilot we started shooting season one and then he did talk to me about what happened uh story-wise as far as right. her um you know he called me into his office and sat me down and was like so here's what i think's gonna happen what i'd like to happen is blah 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 blah." and she sort of starts to de- desexualize herself and she gets really self-conscious and she and she's getting hit on all the time and sexism yeah. yada yada and then she is gonna gain this weight because she's feeling like she's like just not doesn't want anyone to look at her and and but then she's gonna turn out to be pregnant and i was like excuse me <laughs> that's, uh pardon that's a lot yeah <laughs> and all i said was like i was like 
that sounds fine. I was like, that's great. I just would like, do you want me to like actually gain weight or are we going to do like padding? And I was kind of open to either because yeah. I was like, I don't, probably, I don't have any problem gaining weight. Um, <laughs> but it was but it was definitely better and easier in the long run that we did padding and it, and it was, you know, a fake process. Yeah. <laughs> but that was it. That was, that was you know, the big time that he talked to me about what was going to happen. That's not, But then again, you know, going all the way back to the beginning, you, it's a challenge. You're being told all these things. You're going to this journey. You're going to be going on, and it's going to be longer than just a film set. You yeah, know, you're be with this person for at least that year, and then obviously it turned out to be a lot more. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the, you know, it's even on Mad Men when I'm supposed to be like the young ingenue. You know, I end up having a, a sort of emotional and, and physical challenge. That's right. Telling you, I'm not meant to be happy. No, it's I not going to happen. Um, I, one thing that you know, from watching the show for many years and talking to many people about it. Um, Peggy and your performance meant so much to so many people, but especially to so many women in my life. And I was talking to them a lot about it. People who, you know, who came out of college in their 20s and working in a professional environment. I imagine this is something you hear a lot because, of course, the film was set in the film. The movie, start over. TV show? Yeah. In this case? Let's go with TV show. Let's go with TV show. (laughs) We call it The Project. (laughs) The Project. Let's get really biz heavy. Uh, 50 years ago, but a lot of the issues certainly maintain... Are, yeah. are, are still in existence today. Yeah, it's been one of the most rewarding aspects of it um, have been, you know, yeah, women primarily uh, who have found inspiration in the character and mm-hmm. have, you know, look up to her and uh, revere her sometimes. It's a, it's a funny thing because uh, for me, I never, ever anticipated that. And I wanted to just make her a very, from the very beginning, I didn't want to make her... Um, a woman in the 60s I wanted to make her and a woman of any time I wanted to you know I wanted her to be like me I wanted her to be like any like I wanted to be every man you know in this case every woman um you know Matt and I talked about like Marty like that's you know we wanted her to be Marty we wanted her to be that kind of person that you could just identify with that just seemed to keep having these struggles and just keep banging her head up against the wall and um so I, I I think that that might have helped for people to identify with her because she wasn't uh, a caricature of a mm-hmm. of a woman experiencing sexism. I wanted to show what it would be like if, like me, if Lizzie experienced what Peggy experiences in that office yeah. in that first season. Um, you know, with all the sexism where it's most rampant. Uh, so I think that for me, it's been one of the most rewarding things to hear people. Uh, comment or come up to me or talk to me about like when she left SCDP to go to CGC mm-hmm. people were like that inspired me to go and ask my boss for something that I've wow. been wanting or ask my boss for a raise or a promotion or that inspired me to leave my job and go do something else and that's I mean yeah. how can you ask for anything more that's incredibly gratifying a, a, f- a friend of mine wrote to me yesterday when I said that that we would be speaking saying that she's very moved by the portrayal of feminine strength on the show mm-hmm. because she said traditionally in her view you know characters who are allowed to be both feminine and strong are generally like like Lauren Bacall types or Catherine right. Hepburn types like very tall uh, low voiced women totally you know? and and slightly masculine yeah. yeah and as an actor and as a character that was not the case here yeah. and yet you were able to play both at all times well thank you and thank you to your friends that's uh, very nice it, 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 it was yeah it was remarkable to watch but then also you rarely get to see a character um change and develop so much yeah even on long-running tv shows the arc of peggy is one of the most remarkable that we've ever seen yeah it was pretty cool i mean it was it was it's definitely you know i feel like it's less and less rare on tv but it's um it was yeah it's a rare thing to have an arc like that in a in a show especially 
um, as the secondary character, you know, as a woman, all of those things that Mm -hmm. you sort of have stacked up against you to be able to change so much was, uh, I don't, you know, I, I know I will never have quite the same experience again Mm -hmm. because I was also changing so much in my own life. You know, Mm -hmm. I went from 23 to 32 on the show. So that won't happen again. I'm, I might, if I'm lucky, be on another long-running show again. But that experience of me growing up mm-hmm. um, over it, those nine in years. pivotal years. Yeah, in pivotal years. Exactly. Um, and then allowing that to inform the character. Going off and doing my hiatus every you know year. Having the experiences that I would have on the hiatus. And then bringing that back to the show. And, and letting that change Peggy mm-hmm. in the ways that I was changed, you know, it was a very kind of interesting experience that like, I don't think I'll have quite that same thing again. Right. Yeah. Because especially in this case, if you were growing and changing that much and you came back to a part that was, you know, you were still Sergeant Olsen in the break room. Right. It was like time has never changed, you know, and it's, <laughs> totally it's, it's CSI, uh, uh, Austin or whatever. Yes. Austin. That, that would be, that could crime be ridden. <laughs> crime ridden a lot of drunks on the train. Yeah, it's a rough place. <laughs> but I, I think I can see how that would be frustrating. Um, obviously for an actor to be stuck in one thing repeatedly, but you wouldn't be able to use all the new material and new tools that you had added to your arsenal. Exactly. You know, and I would go away and I would do, um, you know, it really started with the, when I went and did speed the plow on Broadway mm-hmm. and I learned so much I was able to come back and, and bring that into the show how whatever I learned um, but the most significant one was going away and doing top of the lake between seasons five and six because I had had this sort of really amazing experience on in, in on top of the lake and learned so much as an actor and I got to bring that back to this character who was a I, I a lot stronger, a lot yeah. kind of ballsier. She had a bitterness to her and a sense of humor that had developed. Mm-hmm. And so there was kind of this, you know, she was like trying to be like Dawn. And so I was able to then take everything that I had learned and the strength that I'd gotten on top of the lake and bring that back to Peggy and hope that that, you know, uh, uh, made the character grow and more interesting. And you don't get that. No, I'm not letting. I'm not getting too far away from Mad Men, but I. You mentioned Top of the Lake. That was my favorite TV show of, of 2013. Oh, thank by far. you. I think it's an incredible piece. If I think it's still streaming on Netflix, I hope is people it? seek it out. Find it anywhere. I'm it's sure an incredible, it is. Incredible uh, six or depending on how it's broken up, six or seven yeah. miniseries. Yeah. Um, you played uh, a policewoman in rural New Zealand. In, are you uh, is this? I'm losing the track of it here. The character is Australian, yeah, and it was in New Zealand. Yeah, she's well. She's born and raised in New Zealand, and then moves when she's 16 right. to Australia, and then so, comes back in the show. Yeah, a little bit of both. When you say you learn so much, other than how to live in New Zealand for four months, <laughs> uh, what what are you speaking of specifically? It was the first time that I'd ever been um, number one on the call sheet in mm-hmm. such a significant uh, project. Um, I had to. Uh, you know, I was a little nervous beforehand um, of whether or not I could. Uh, I'd been playing Peggy for like five seasons, yeah. and I thought I'd gotten pretty good at that. And then I was a little, uh, frankly, nervous if I could do some, something else, you know. Um, I think that people think that actors are trying to prove to other people that they can do other things when they play different roles. I think often, and certainly in my case, I'm trying to prove to myself that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little like, well, I guess I'll see if I can I can do something other than Peggy. And it was so different than Peggy, and she was so strong, and she was so closed off. And 
Peggy's closed off in a different way. Like she was just, it was just a totally different character and she had to be really, you know, tough and I had to do the accents and it was like, yeah. I was in New Zealand and I talked to Jane on the phone but I never met her and so it was a host of terrifying things that I had to deal with. Um, and then I, 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 I did it and I learned how to do it and I, and I um, became a stronger actor and I, I became stronger physically. You know, I worked... Um, 55 days on the show in a row which wow. is pretty rare for an actor not rare for a crew member um, I was like oh being a crew member is hard <laughs> yeah. you guys work super hard um, but you know I so I got stronger physically I, I, I had to bounce back and forth between different episodes all day because we cross-boarded it oh I didn't know that yeah so we would do episodes two three and five in one day wow so you had to jump emotionally in your performance yes and between directors wow Jane would be directing one and then Garth would be directing another right. so you'd be doing a scene where you were running and then you'd be doing a breakup scene then a sex scene and then you'd shoot somebody like all in one day that's just a typical Tuesday basically you, I, I mean in my real life yeah. I'm used to that but acting is a totally different <laughs> right. thing um yeah so for me learning how to do that required a certain amount of emotional flexibility wow. so it was you know it was like a it was like the acting olympics it was really like uh, a very strengthening exercise so i was able to sort of you know hopefully take some of that strength and complexity back to peggy and and make her a little bit add another dimension to well, her and the timing was good because the character jump in those seasons was was very much along the lines of what you're describing madman has had a very strange way of either of paralleling my real life. Like sometimes it comes before something happens in real life and something it mi- sometimes it mimics something. Really? It's super weird. Like in terms of you, you, you bought a sexualized octopus painting in your real life and then Maybe carried- I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wish. I don't have that. I wish I had that painting. Yeah, you need the tentacle picture. I know. I, I think someone far more important got it. I feel like you are. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, no, like sometimes it's very literal, like in the case of like season five and top of the lake, like I didn't know. I mean, I knew if I knew I was coming back to the show because yeah. I asked Matt, I was like, when he called oh, and left, that was when yeah. he, the office, right? so when he called and told me you're leaving SCDP to go to CGC, I was like, uh-huh, that sounds great. What do you mean? Yeah. Am I like, what happens? Am I done? Yeah. What happens to Peggy? And he was like, are you crazy? I would never do that. He was like mad at me for asking. Um, but, I, but so I knew I was coming back to the show, but I didn't know what capacity. Yes. I knew at some point I was coming back to SCDP. He told me what the storyline was going to be, uh, but I didn't know when. I didn't know how many episodes. Was that going to be the season finale of season yeah. six? Like, I didn't know how long it was going to take for that merger to happen. Because like, he's done some dramatic things to people. I mean, he's moved them in, yes, moved them out. He's, totally. Like, you don't really know, you know? Um, and so I, I knew what was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen. So it did have a sense of feeling like... And I never really went back in the same capacity as before. And right. I never really worked under Dawn in the same way, you yep. know? So it was different afterwards. And so I, it, that was a huge change. I was going off to New Zealand to this new job. So it was yeah. basically the same thing as CGC. In other ways, it's been more subtle. In other ways, it's been more uh, of an emotional parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that wouldn't be very interesting. But, you know, it's 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 always it's had a weird – it's weird. The other thing that's so rare about the show, and I realized this when I was watching those those roundtable things that AMC put before the last season, where you guys were just you're chatting. Oh yes, uh, I haven't seen that. Oh, they were very nice. Is like it everyone, funny? Yeah, everyone wore very nice sweater. It was like it was it was it was funny and it was very sweet. Okay. Because you obviously all have worked together for so long, and yeah. what was amazing when you see those is, I can't think of any other dra- drama series that has run that long that identified its main characters from episode one. 
and carried them through. Yeah. Very often there's like, oh, that guy in season three is terrific. And people did join Mad Men who made a huge impact. Totally. But the core was the core. It's absolutely true. The, the original six, yeah, as we right. call them, they were, they last, everyone lasted through the whole show. That must have been it's a true. very unique relationship between all of you. Yeah, it's truly family. It's like there's no better way to describe it. And, you know, when you uh, when you work together for nine years, mm-hmm. you develop relationships, you know, and it is like very much, a, it's all brothers and sisters. It's it's like having all, a bunch more brothers and sisters. A, a lot has been mentioned about and talked about your incredible chemistry with John Hamm and some of the best moments in the show were obviously between Peggy and Don. Um but I feel like now that I have you here, I have to talk about you and Slattery. Yeah, good. Because Thank you. some of the best scenes, really the best scenes, are between the two of you. Yeah. And um, I was just rewatching this morning the scene where he basically has to, to pay you to do extra work on the weekend <laughs> for the Mohawk account, and you get money from him. Yes. This is a really good comic chemistry between the two of you. Thank you. Yeah, we loved doing that scene. And it was our, I think it was the first scenes back that we shot for oh, that really? season or something for the both of us. Yeah. It's not in the show, but like for the two of us, it right. was our first scene back. And I just did a straight up, I just tried to do a straight up Roger Sterling imitation, <laughs> which I didn't tell him at the time, but I told him later, I was like, I was totally trying to do you. Um, I like putting my feet up on the desk, like mm-hmm. acting super cool. Um, I adore him as a person yeah. in real life and I adored working with him and I think the feeling was mutual because every time we got a scene together because we rarely had scenes together we were both kind of so giddy and excited and we were like we have a scene together this is so awesome well I think Matt Weiner knew it too because he steered the ending towards the two of you I mean yeah. there's that amazing you know the, in the last season or half season whatever AMC wants us to call it uh-huh. um, the episode in which you get drunk on vermouth with him and roller skate yeah leading into that incredible punk rock uh entrance into mccann which is become the like the default uh, avatar for so many people on so Twitter. i know that's like, what i hear obsessed with this it's so funny this image that those must have been a blast to film yeah it was so fun and, and i think we were both so happy that like part of the end of our journey a big part of the end of our journey was with each other because uh you know we have such a mutual respect for each other as actors and i also think that the two those two characters together are so great and so funny there's just something inherently funny about the two of them together they're just so different they fundamentally don't understand each other but they like that exactly like they don't understand each other they're totally they totally disagree about most things (laughs) but it's kind of okay and that's that you know, he does such a beautiful job in that in that scene where he's, you know, telling that story and talking. And then, I mean, I get chills talking about it where we both kind of imply that we're going to miss it, mm-hmm. um, meaning, you know, the office. And obviously there was so much that was about real life. I mean, we were basically saying we were going to miss the show. Um, and uh, it was very, like, kind of a little bit emotional. And it was just, it was, I was so happy to get to do that with him. I was very moved by the last season as a whole because it was very meta in a way and was commenting on the ending of things yeah. that, scene, that scene where Don says this is the beginning but it really was profound in a way about life in the sense that we can't we can't manage beginnings and endings mm-hmm. we can't control them a TV show is going to run for a while and then it stops abruptly but mm-hmm. kind of life is like that too yeah absolutely it's very true and it was really you know helpful for us I think to have you know to be able to have the real emotions of this chapter of your mm-hmm. life coming to an end and be able to let that inform some of those interactions with the characters it made a lot of the scenes very easy in a way because you know when you're saying um 
when you know that you're saying goodbye to Vinny and you're not going to necessarily act on camera with him again, Mm -hmm. at least as these characters, it makes it very easy to deliver with some sense of emotional depth. Yes. (laughs) Um, So two more specific things about the ending. You you, you mentioned that uh, Matt would talk to you about where things were going. Um, At what point did he talk to you about where he wanted to leave Peggy, where things were going to go with Peggy? Or, Or was it a surprise to you when you got back to set? I'm trying to think. I knew about the Coca-Cola ending for like about four years. Did you really? Yeah, I and knew we, about it for a long time. We so by say, the way, yeah. you can tell anyone can tell me secrets. I am clearly a very good secret keeper. That's amazing. I knew about the the fact that he goes to that whatever it's Esalen. called, the Esalen. The, Wait, so, so how did he tell you about the Coca-Cola thing? Was he just like in passing? Oh, by the way, lockbox. I think yeah. I think it was just you know we we're pretty close and we used to talk on the phone a lot um, for hours and uh, I think it was just you know as any writer does. They often will float things past you or tell you their ideas to hear, you know, to kind of hear what you – not that they expect you to say anything or expect any critique. Right. But it's just a little bit of like a – I wonder what this person is going to say But you could have been like – Yes. I totally could have. Wow. But I loved it. I don't think I have that power yeah. necessarily, but I think it would have put a damper on things if I was like, ugh, yeah, really? that's the worst. Thank God you have a few years to rethink it. For the um, record, uh, you know, we're, we're not taping this video, but you are wearing a Coca-Cola t-shirt yes! that says the real thing, which is incredibly on brand I, I, and much appreciated. I'm very excited. I got, the, I got it at Walmart, uh-huh. and I saw it, and I was like, I have to get that. It's a Coca-Cola shirt. It's like, it's perfect, and I'm hoping that people get the joke. But it wasn't. You didn't buy that shirt four years ago as your wink to the world. No, can you coming. imagine if I was just wearing this Coke shirt for four years and like no. just trolling the Matt world? Matt would kill me. He'd be like, "Take off that Coke shirt." That's totally right. Um, but there are a lot of Coke references throughout the show. I mean, there is like a there's he, like a, if you go back, anyways, this is stupid fan stuff. But anyways, he yes, he told me um, he told me about that. But the Peggy specifically ending with Stan, I feel like I knew about the previous season seven. A, I think I uh-huh. knew. A lot of it's, you have to understand, a lot of the show, everyone's very close. It's a very family atmosphere. A lot of it's like shop talk behind the scenes, not necessarily sure. like, you know, um, we would we were so lame. We would sit around and like talk about what we thought was going to happen on the show. I mean, like fans. It was so pathetic. So what did you fan out for yourself? What was your vision before you heard? Did you have a particular? Well... You know, it's so hard to, like, now it's so solidified what actually happened. I don't Mm -hmm. remember what I thought would happen. I never thought that she would um, take over Don's job or anything because that's not possible. She's too young um, in that time to do that. So I never thought that that would happen. And then I thought, like, well, just a promotion or something would be kind of, like, a bit of, like, okay, well, that's sort of lame. Um that's sort of going to happen, you know? The one thing I didn't know was I didn't know the Joan thing. I didn't know that Joan was going to offer her that job. I didn't know that until I saw the script, I think. I like that Um, a lot. Yeah, that was super cool. It hinted at a fan service-y thing, but but stayed true to the show. Exactly. That that would be fun for people to write fan fiction about, but that's never going to happen. Like, the audience would have loved it. It would have been super cool. Everyone loves Joan and Peggy together. Like, we totally get it, but, like, it's not realistic. It's not. Peggy's an ad person. That's what she does. Thank you. You. Thank you very much. This is what I've been telling people. Like, that's not who she is. And that's what Stan says to her. He's like, you can't just try to get your name on the door. Yeah. Like, if that's, if that's all you want is yeah. to be in a power position, like, that's actually an extremely 
you know, it's a little bit sort of, uh, it's against everything that she's been fighting for for seven seasons, you know? So anyways, I but I knew about the Stan thing, yeah, like a little bit before. Okay, so I have to push back on you about that. I, yeah. I loved watching it. Yeah. But I didn't want it to happen. You didn't want her to end up with Stan? Not because I don't love him and love them together, but I loved everything about the slow arc of Peggy for so long that I was okay because I knew she would be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've seen her succeed and triumph and with generally realistic sense of history. Yeah. She was on her way. Like everyone else I was worried about. Right. But she's the one I didn't worry about. I felt like her career would be great and creative and long. And I loved that she had this wonderful, emotionally fulfilling work relationship. Right. With him. Right. And you wanted it to, like, stay there? I kind of want... I mean, we don't know that they didn't just immediately break up and become friends again. It's true. It doesn't matter. But because it is a fictional television Yes, it's true. We should say that. (laughs) Sure. We should clarify. Did you at any moment resist it or were you into it? I was into it. I thought it was cool. Because, listen, I would have been fine if she wound up not with him, too. Um, I didn't necessarily think it had to happen, and I think that uh, I would have been fine with her, like, alone at home with her cat. Like, I also like that kind of ending as well in her sweet neighbor kid. he moved away. Yeah, he did move, unfortunately, to New Jersey. So he's basically dead. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to say that. You're going to say that. I'm not going to say it. Um, But, you know, he... um, Peggy has never had that romantic scene she's never had that moment she's never been lucky in love and I just I liked that I personally I like Peggy a lot and you know I think she's very cool and I liked that she had that I just like that she I'm a huge fan of like romance stuff I love romance movies and stuff so I liked that she had that I also liked the way we did it I loved that phone call phone calls are great it was very His Girl Friday and I love that kind of thing I loved the idea of the person that you're ending up with is right under your nose the whole time, yeah. you know that's a very that's like an old 40s movie trick um 30s 40s screwball trick but like so i loved it i also think that you know it could have not happened i don't think that it should define who she is or define her arc on the show right. you know i think it's just like eh, so someone got a happy ending that's the thing with endings though they leave the mark you know and it's, yes and, but it doesn't take away from anything that it came before it totally and i just felt and i still do that the phone calls the long phone calls like stay on the phone with me when they'd be working were some of the most romantic things on the show yeah. or on tv yeah the most real sweet moments so what so. she's just supposed to be like no you're right you caught me have like you know have that that's, that's that's so frustrating i know well so far i'm revealing myself to be a really <laughs> terrible judge of what audiences want so forget that um, I, I mean i think i get what you're i totally get what you're saying and that would have been nice but like it's not an ending no let peggy be happy let her be happy for god's sakes let her have a boyfriend that's just, it just, just one boyfriend that likes her and isn't an please that's true it's only been like eight years so horrible <laughs> okay you've talked you've talked that me she into could it find happiness <laughs> So the, you, you finished that. You filmed that like a year before it aired, right? Because you filmed 7A yeah. and 7B together. Yeah. So you, we've established you're very good at secrets. Very good. Did you watch the finale when it was on? Did you gather with anyone? Was it a thing? We, yeah, I was forced to because we were, um, we were all went to L.A. for this finale event where it was at this big theater downtown. <clears throat> so I watched it. I watched it then. And that was a very, like, cool, surreal experience. It was like watching a sporting event. Like, people were, you know... 
whooping when they yeah. liked something and, you know, going, <gasps> and then booing when they didn't like something. And it was or, and applauding. Yeah. I mean, it was a very, like, bizarre once-in-a-lifetime experience. You'll never, I'll never watch anything I've ever done like that again. Um, so that was, that was, like, a cool experience. And I'd actually rather have that than, like, the, um, you know, conservative, like, everyone be quiet and let's sit in a screening room kind of experience. Right, the church-like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you finished this run, this amazing television show, <clears throat> one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest performances on TV, I think. And uh, Thank you. You have made this remarkable series of choices since then, during. I mean, we talked about Top of the Lake and these movies that you've made. And I, I'm curious about your decision-making process on what projects to do, because we were joking before we started that I've, I've, I've seen a lot of the movies you've done in the last <laughs> yeah. year in preparation for this show. Uh. Um, and they've all been really good. Oh, um, good. You know, we didn't Thank even mention you. the one I love. We talked about Listen Up, Philip. Um, and they're all surprising, and they give you a chance to do a lot of different <clears throat> things, but, and they're not necessarily the most predictable choices. Mm. You know, while you were making Mad Men, you made Get Him to the Greek, which is a funny movie, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you've made a studio movie like that since. Um, I don't think so. How, what is your thought process in terms of how to define what comes next? Um, I mean, it's a lot of, <clears throat> it's a lot of, you know, chance in a way and what's offered at what time, um, especially when we were shooting the show. Um, it was difficult because, you know, you had four months, five right. months to find something that you liked that they wanted you to be in, you know, which is very important, and that would fit into that that schedule. So right. it was, you know, that was always a little bit of a crapshoot. What's been cool about the show being done has been losing one of those things, losing that schedule part, yeah. and, and being able to look at something and go, oh, I could do that in three months and I don't have to worry about the fact that the show is going back. Like, that's a cool thing. It also sucks because the show is not going back. But, you know, it's a a silver lining. Um, I think for me it's always been about the material. It's Mm -hmm. always been about the script. It's not about the size of the the role or the size of the budget It's or the size of the director. You know, it's – for me it's always been about – when I read it, am I interested in it? Does it seem like something that a story that I want to tell? Does it seem like a, a movie that I've seen? Um, is it there's something about the character that I think is challenging and mm-hmm. truthful? It's all of those things. And so all of those movies, all of my movies, like not like I've done that many, but all those movies, like the one I love and listen up Philip and Queen of Earth and the the few that I have um, that have yet to come out come out in the next, you know, over the next year have all just been because I've been like, this is a great script. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, it's really not, it doesn't come down to a whole lot more than that. I have no grand plan. I have no, like, I'm now going to search for this kind of film. Yes. Not at all. It's just, or even this, in this medium, you know, it's, I'm open to TV and theater as well. And so it's, it's just been about the scripts, really. That seems like fun. That seems like a good way to do it. Yeah, I think it's the only way to do it because then no matter what happens, whether or not it, the film is a success or turns yeah. out well or whether or not anyone sees it, you know why you did it mm-hmm. and you did it for the right reason. And I've I've always found any time I try to do something for the wrong reason, it never works. Really? Yeah. I usually – I don't get the part or – or it, the movie falls apart. Or, oh, right. You, you say, okay, I'll try this to yes. do something different. I'll do, like, this movie because it's, like, a big comedy, romantic comedy right. or something. Or, or it'll be a lot of money or something like that. And yeah. it never works. I always get – I always – it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> is, is is there going to be a Top of the Lake season two? Is this true? 
there is going to be a season two. This I believe is, that that's confirmed. I've seen that it was confirmed, but I still don't believe it. Yes, until I hear it from I, you. I agree. I, I know what you mean. Yes, there is going to be a season two. And um, Jane and I have been, uh, we've been talking about it since um, the Emmys of, uh, when we were all at the Emmys for season yes. one. Uh, we've been talking about it since then. She came to me and she was like, uh, would you, if I did do one, would you do it? And I was like, Yes. I mean, obviously, depending on the scripts and, mm-hmm. and stuff, yes. And I, But I said, I was like, I just would want it to be darker and deeper and more complex. And darker. I would, yes, I know, which is like, for me, wow. I, I know, I think that people are like, really darker? But I think I think it can go deeper can and Robin darker. Can Robin find love too? Can it? See, that I would resist. That <laughs> okay. I would be like, hell no. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, th- I, I, I just, and she totally agreed with me. Yeah. We, we want to take it to a deeper place. We want to make sure that we have something to say in the second season and we're not just doing a second season because the first season went well. Um, Although I will say for people who haven't seen the first season, I think it was one of the secretly funniest things on TV in parts two. I can totally see that. Jane Jane and I think it's hilarious Not much of what Robin did, but... No. Like the women's camp and like... amazing. Totally. Oh, we think some of the Mullen stuff, like... That performance. Oh yeah, Jane and I think it's hilarious. Okay, good. Yeah, so you're totally right about that. Thank you. Yes. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's nothing that I can officially like confirm, but I have seen some stuff and Jane and I have continued to talk and I did read somewhere that it might be in Hong Kong or there might be take you out of Australia or New Zealand I don't know about that but oh, you are lockbox and I tested you <laughs> that's okay. right you uh, did you tested me I, I kept secret for four years do you think I'm going to tell you now oh, well I let you have a yogurt I talked to you for 45 minutes 50 minutes to get <laughs> you to this point you loosened me up with my strawberry yogurt that's right and we gave you water <laughs> we're very generous here um, I should let you go I do want to ask um, about the Emmys though this is uh, next month, we're recording this in August, mm-hmm. right? It is an insane thing that Mad Men has never won a performing Emmy. I know. What's up with this? What's why? How can this be? I mean, I you know, speaking objectively, because I'm not the only performer that's been nominated. That's right. uh, it is difficult for for me to uh, to understand how about John because I just feel that he is Mad Men and he is the show and so it's difficult for me to understand the sort of um, the 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 reverence that, that the show is treated yeah. with and yet it, I mean I don't get it. Can but I float my theory to you? Yes please. You, you know him uh, I do not Vaguely. have the pleasure. You've met him mm, <laughs> he's, passing. he's spoken to you yes. in the hallway <laughs> um, my thought has been that Emmy voters look at him and they're like He's a handsome guy who looks like an astronaut. He can't really be acting. <laughs> that there's something about the way that he looks in real life right. that is somehow to them, they can't see how deep he, his performance goes. Right. And you would think seeing him on, like, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as a cult leader would realize, yeah. oh, that's not, okay, he's not Don Draper. Totally. But I feel like there's been some, like, you know, he didn't have to do the enormous transformation that, like, a Brian Cranston did. And not to take right. away from Brian Cranston's performance. No, it was brilliant. But I feel like that's been stuck in their cross somehow. I don't know. I, I think that's a I think that's a good theory. I I would I would say I feel like it, it's the acting on the show is it's very specific and it's very subtle and it's not necessarily you know it's a slow burn yeah and it's it's you know it's not necessarily something that I think is you know well. I can't really say anything because I'm going to get myself in trouble. So I can't say that. Oh, no, but, please. This is the place to get yourself in trouble. No, no, I can't. But I, I just think that, you know, 
it's um for me I can't speak about myself because I'm not going to be like I should have won an Emmy like I think that there's amazing you should have won an Emmy well thank you that's very nice but I also think that there's some amazing performances out there and there's some amazing women and I'm like no they're fine super like (laughs) totally fine to be in my position I'm not like you know seven Emmy nominations is fine I'll just take that that's That's, pretty good that's excellent for me thank you very much and I also think someone like you know when you see someone like Robin Wright and you know these you know these Connie Britton and these incredible Violet, you know, it's just there's so but, many amazing people. But I can speak about John, where I think that is ridiculous, and I think he should win. But I wish the thing is, is this is why award shows are so <sighs> screwed up, is because I don't think that Brian Cranston or other people yeah. or Kyle Chandler shouldn't have won. No, I want them all to have the awards. They're all amazing. Yes. So the whole concept is you want participation. Yes, yeah, the whole concept is just <laughs> is is messed up. It's the whole concept but, is that one performance is the best is ridiculous. Okay, but talk me through this. It's Emmy night. You've done this before. Your, you know, they, they they get your category. Do you get the butterflies? What's that like to yeah. be in that position? To be sitting there, you know, the camera's on you. It's terrible. Where, where's your brain? It's ter- it's it's my I've blacked out. I have often like just don't remember the moment that no. when the camera's on me and they're like and the winner is or whatever they say. Yeah. You know, I, I I will like some like black out a little bit and then I'll like turn to like my mom or whoever's with me and be like, did I smile? Did I did I look? What did I do? <laughs> it's yeah, just you have to sort of go. You have to do a, a knowing nod. Yes. Right. And a big smile. Yes. You know who said the best thing once was um, she described it the best way was Tina Fey. Yeah. She said it was years ago, but she was she's she said that no matter how many times you lose, the moment right before they call the yeah. name, you like think you might win. Of course. Even if you have fully 100% convinced yourself that yes. it's not going to happen and you've spent sorry months doing that. Just in that that two, three-second gap, it's anyone's game. You hear the beginning of your name. <laughs> totally. No matter what. No matter what. It's terrifying, and your heart's pounding, and the adrenaline, and you just want it to be over, and it's it's a, it's a very surreal experience. Okay, well, I don't want to jinx you, but do you, do you prepare a little bit, though, just in case? No. I've learned not to do that. It's just it doesn't matter because, wow. you know, it's like the one time that I did win when I won the Golden Globe right. for, yeah, for Top of the League. I didn't prepare, and and it was. I, there were things that I wish I would have said, or names that I forgot to say. Um, but like, like I think I might have not thanked like BBC, which is like, oh, thanks they, BBC. What they ever do? <laughs> what did they ever do for us? Um, except air our show. Um, but I, I, it didn't. I don't think it matters. Like you're so nervous when you go up there, and you're. It's all so surreal that you're gonna forget anyways. And and if you prepare something and then you don't win, which is what happens ninety nine percent of yes, the time, right. you feel like an. So it's just best not to think about it. Okay. Well, I I know I'll be pulling for you. I hope other people listening will too. And Thank we'll you. also be watching your face very closely to see if consciousness <laughs> leaves it for like a millisecond. I swear it'll just be like a blank, blank smile. That will be an amazing thing to watch. I'll freeze frame it. Thinking about it gives me butterflies. Just I, thinking this conversation is giving me – it's, it's very nerve-wracking. I'm so sorry. We Let's let's bring it all the way back to say Queen of Earth. It's a really interesting and good film. It is uh, on demand and in limited release in theaters. August 26th yep. and uh, Elizabeth Moss I'm so happy to finally get the chance Me to talk too. to you Me too, we finally did it, we thank did it. you Thank you <laughs> Thank you for listening to Grantland To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts 